Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Florida State Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, David Kramish, 2018 FSU grad, and it's here, folks. We're just going to get right into it. What we'll be covering in future podcasts will include recruiting, game and player breakdowns, interviews, and further insight into the program holistically. However, since game one is right around the corner, we'll be going over how the roster shakes out, season expectations, and previewing Pittsburgh on November 6th. So what we're going to do to start is go over the roster by class. So we're going to start off with the seniors. And that's none other than Dominic Olenicic. Yes, folks, that is how you pronounce his last name. I know it's a tongue twister. But he's a grad transfer out of Ole Miss. Prior to that, he was at Drake. Seven feet, 260 pounds from Turin, Poland. He'll be counted on to set screens, be aggressive on the glass, and catch and finish those lob passes from Forrest that we've grown accustomed to seeing. But what will be interesting with him is he'll occasionally be relied upon to create offense in the post. And that's something that, frankly, he's never had to really do before at the college level. As the season progresses, I do look for him to get more and more comfortable just in in the offense and the system in general and really settle into his role. He's not going to be counted on to score, you know, 12 points a game. But I I, I think, you know, it's it's certainly realistic to see him putting up eight points, eight rebounds, two blocks. I think that's very reasonable for Dominic this year. Now, the other senior, the straw that stirs the drink, senior point guard Trent Forrest. Now, in 2018, Forrest shot 78% from the free throw line, averaged 4.5 rebounds a game, 3.7 assists per game, 2 steals a game, which ranked in the top 5 in the ACC, along with 9.3 points per game. Now, many were unaware last season that Trent played the majority of that year with a severely injured turf toe. Now, when the season ended, when the doctors were speaking to him, they mentioned how you know he must have a very high pain tolerance because there's no way he should have been able to play on a turf toe being as severe as it was. But as we saw against Gonzaga, this man just put the team on his back and said, guys, you know, let me carry you here. And he put up 20 points. And that was Forrest being at 60% at best. So now imagine him having an entire summer to heal up and really hone in on his jump shot. Because if there's one thing from Forrest's game that has been missing over the course of his career, it's been his jump shot. And if he wants to be a pro, which I believe he most certainly is, he has to show that he can keep defenses honest and shoot a respectable percentage from the field. So like I mentioned, you know, he spent the entire summer rehabbing from that turf toe. But another thing that it really hid was our ability to play fast. So this year with Trent completely healthy and ready to go, I'm looking for us to play a lot faster out in transition. So if Trent can shoot, say, 35% on his jump shots this season and stay healthy, not only will he be an all-ACC second-team selection at worst, but he's also going to be a contender for the Bob Cousy Award given to the nation's top point guard. Now, assistant coach Carlton Young, he calls Forrest the best pure point guard in the country. And his stance on that is valid because Trent Forrest is a mix of Alfred Payton with his ability to get to really get in the paint, draw contact and finish. 
but he also has a little bit of Russell Westbrook to him in terms of his explosiveness, you know, when he is 100%. So I'm really looking for Trent to break out this season and ultimately be a second round selection in the NBA draft since the point guard class this season is so highly touted, to say the least, from Cole Anthony to Cassius Winston to Marcus Howard. But Trent's going to be big time. And another thing to really key in on is since they moved the three-point line out about a half foot or a foot, there's going to be more room to work with. Our offense is going to be more spread out. Our bigs this year may actually even flash to the corner instead of being in the traditional low post, which would help spread the floor even more. So when Forrest is able to get into the lane, he's going to be able to draw and kick to his guys out on the perimeter and we've got shooters this year which I will get to shortly but Trent Forrest is the unquestionable leader he knows exactly how to get into the paint in my view he's the best on ball defensive point guard in the country I know folks may say Trey Jones but his wingspan allows him to really pick those passing lanes a bit more so than Trey Jones. So in terms of defensive prowess, Trent Forrest is the cream of the crop. Moving on to the junior class, we're going to start with a couple Juco guys here. So Raekwon Evans, he's a Juco transfer out of Billings, Montana. He went to the same Juco as former FSU forward Brian Angola. So he'll back up Trent Forrest this year. He's known as a slasher who can really handle the ball and push the pace when he needs to. But really the key for him right now is to just get healthy. He's been battling a torn hamstring throughout camp, and he's currently questionable for the season opener. I wouldn't hold my breath on whether he plays in game one, but he's going to be a very nice piece throughout the season because of his ability to really get the ball down the floor and be a difference maker when he gets in the lane. So he plays a similar style to Trent Forrest, but he has a more refined shot in terms of his mechanics. He's quicker when it comes to getting his shot off, but... It's it's still a work in progress, but he can certainly shoot it. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he grows accustomed to the college game at the D1 level, especially at the ACC level. But right now, as long as he can get healthy by season end, he can definitely be a difference maker just because of the way he plays and, and, and how aggressive he is when it comes to attacking you know, offensively and defensively, because he's a similar build to Forrest and he too can get, get into passing lanes and really disrupt. So it'll be great because he's going to be picking up 94 feet as well, as Hamilton loves to emphasize that full court press, even though it's half press, so to speak, because when we're pressing in the full court, they're not going all out like West Virginia does. It's just to take some time off the shot clock. But Evans is more than a willing defender, and he's going to pay dividends as the season progresses. Moving on to Nate Jack. He's a JUCO transfer out of Mississauga, Ontario. So he's brought in to play the role of PJ Savoy. He's a sniper from deep, shot 40% during his time in JUCO. He has decent athleticism, but make no mistake, his role is going to be a three-point specialist. The question for Jack is going to be whether or not his defense is going to be able to keep him on the floor. So it's going to be intriguing to see him play these first few games. I can't speculate on how many minutes he's going to get, but just know when he comes into the game, he has one thought on his mind, and that's to shoot the ball. Now, moving on to MJ Walker, the former McDonald's All-American He's had an inconsistent career up to this point, but over the summer, he's watched a lot of film and is focused on really kind of letting the game come to him. 
and picking his spots in in a way that's just going to allow him to produce at the, at the highest level because you're not a McDonald's All-American just by happenstance. He's a pro. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of him finding that happy medium between being a dog and being aggressive and playing within the flow of the game. So moving on to the sophomore class, we've got a lot of redshirt sophomores here, but Wyatt Wilkes to start. Now, Wilkes is a redshirt sophomore out of Winter Park, Florida. Now, he has one of the best pure three-point strokes on the team. He hasn't played too much his first few years, but he's deceptively athletic and can put the ball on the floor when he needs to. The key for him to get more minutes is going to be whether or not he can defend for sustained periods of time. So it'll be interesting to see how he's going to be able to fit in the rotation this year and just how many minutes he's going to be able to put out in general. Moving on to Malik Osborne. 6'9", transfer out of Rice. This man is athletic. He sat out last season due to transfer rules and took a redshirt year. At Rice, he played the center spot, and he may be asked to fill into that same role when Coach Hamilton decides to play small ball, as Osborne is a supreme athlete and really runs the floor like a deer. So he spent the last year and a half really refining his offensive game from ball handling to his jump shot because he wanted to come here to play more of a perimeter style game. But I can see him moving over to the center spot when need be, especially since Naheem McLeod, the seven foot three freshman, is currently ineligible uh, due to academics. While his offensive game, it's not a finished product yet, he'll be a valuable asset just because of his ability to really get on the glass and defend. And, you know, whether it be putback dunks or just his energy on the floor, I mean, the, the one thing, you know, if, if he's not able to pull in, you know, 10 rebounds a game or, um, you know, eight points a game, the one thing that you're always going to get out of, out of him is a supreme defensive effort, which is really the trademark for anybody that comes into play for Leonard Hamilton that we've seen over the last decade. The one thing that I would really like to see from him is finishing around the basket. So in the exhibition game, he went three for 11 with the majority of his looks coming from point blank range. However, having not played a legitimate game in over a year, that's really to be expected. And I don't have a doubt that as the season progresses, his confidence and his play, they're going to do the same. He's certainly been in the gym and he's ready to contribute. I don't think there's a question about that. Moving on, Anthony Polite. The sophomore out of Switzerland really has had an outstanding training camp. In the two exhibition games, he's really shown the ability to get to the basket and display a quick, compact release from three, which it's extremely difficult to close out on and defend. So if you're trying to block that shot, best of luck. In the two exhibition games, Polite shot 12 of 18 from the floor and totaled 17 points per game. Now, granted, it's exhibition, but it's evident that he's made strides as a player. And he'll play a larger role, especially at the start of the season with the uncertain health of Raekwon Evans as, you know, he can bring the ball up the floor. I think the question for him is, can he stay in front of his man defensively routinely? And is he going to be able to run the team if need be? But I'm very interested to see if his performances from the exhibition games carry over to the regular season. Now, moving on to Raekwon Gray. Now, Raekwon Gray is Draymond Green 2.0 with a little bit more wiggle and finesse to his game. So at 6'8", 260, and I would not be surprised at all if he's 
shed even more if he's around like maybe 250 now. But he's a guy who, you know, his size, he should not be able to move the way he does. He moves like a guard. He's a very intriguing prospect because he, do, he can defend the one through the four. He's a really nice stroke from three-point range as well. When it's all said and done, I consider Raekwon Gray to be a pro because of how versatile he is. You know, we saw him start in the NCAA tournament last year, and he more than held his own. He was able to drill a few threes. He defended at a high level, and that's with him not even being at tip-top shape yet. Now he's had another summer to get into better physical shape, to get even quicker, and one of the biggest keys with him is being able to get off the floor quicker as well. That second jump, like Zion Williamson, he he kind of is a, a mini Zion with his ability to get after you defensively and his playing style. Now, he's obviously not the athlete that Williamson is, of course, but the game that Raekwon Gray plays is somewhat similar. So, I mean, the former Dillard standout, he just does everything well. He's got to continue keeping his body in check and really let the game come to him. I think he's in for, for a really nice season. And last, but certainly not least out of the sophomores, Devin Vassell. So the first thing that comes to my mind when watching Devin Vassell is a more athletic version of current Indiana Pacer Jeremy Lamb. Vassell is a pro. There's no question about it. When he was originally recruited, his offer sheet was Presbyterian, North Florida, small schools like that. And just going over his tape from high school, you ask yourself, how is he so lightly recruited? But Carlton Young saw him in a scrimmage. After eight minutes of the scrimmage, Young goes over to Devin and offers him, and the rest is history. So what makes Vassell so dangerous? Well, for one, he moves without the ball and anticipates on both ends of the floor extremely well. He has a knack for being in the right place at the right time and capitalizing on his opportunities. So just to give you a perspective on how good Vassell can be, and I think currently is, last season, per 40 minutes... He averaged 5.8 rebounds a game, 2.4 assists, 2 steals, a block, 1.4 turnovers, and close to 17 points per game. Now, granted, the sample size is small, but looking at Vassell's game, he's a pure shooter who can knock it down from anywhere on the floor. Case in point, his game-tying three against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament last year. He can dunk on you, as evidenced in, in the Notre Dame game putting back that offensive rebound. He can lock you down on defense, and he can block your shot into next week, as we saw multiple times in the ACC tournament. Special player. And then we've got the freshman. Starting out with Balsa Koprovica, the seven foot one center out of Belgrade, Serbia. He played at Montverde Academy for Kevin Boyle, who churns out pros year after year, from D'Angelo Russell to Ben Simmons to R.J. Barrett. Koprovica is a guy who may have the most pure skill set of any true center that has come through FSU during Hamilton's tenure. At 7'1", 260, he already has an NBA frame. He has NBA-ready footwork. He's pulling Euro steps at 7'1". It's just going to be a matter of him acclimating to the game and really being a force on both ends of the floor and just bringing it every night. Moving on now to Patrick Williams. 
Now, Pat Williams was rated as a five-star prospect in the class of 2019. Top 25 player in the country out of Charlotte, North Carolina, who is pro-ready. He's already slated by many mock drafts as a top 20 and potential lottery selection in next summer's NBA draft. He has a frame that makes scouts do a double take. 6'8", 225, with a 7-foot wingspan. He has all the intangibles and things you can't teach. Size. He can score the ball from all three levels. However, at this point in time right now, he's most deadly getting into the lane and using his athleticism to dunk on you. He has a really crisp mid-range game as he gets insane elevation on his jump shot and seems to just levitate in the air, just Jordan-esque. His three-point shot is the area that needs the most improvement from an offensive standpoint, but to give you a perspective, he's a better shooter now than what Dwayne Bacon was when Dwayne was a freshman. So for for comparison purposes, because I know everybody loves comparisons, Pat is a hybrid of Dwayne Bacon and a little bit of, of Paul George. He's not overly explosive, but he's a supreme athlete. For instance, in two exhibition games, Pat accounted for 10, or tw- 10 to 12 dunks. He came into high school as a point guard at 6'1". So those guard skills stayed with him. And as the season progresses, his jump shot will continue to improve because he's missed some practice due to some nicks here and there. But as the season really goes on, his jump shot, it'll catch fire because his his form is there. And defensively, he's going to switch. Quite frankly, he can switch all five positions from the point guard spot to the center spot. And he's so athletic that he can take away any passing lane that's near him. He has really good timing in terms of blocking shots and he's committed to the defensive end. And that's, you know, there are, there are a lot of comparables to, to Dwayne Bacon, but where I think Patrick Williams is further along is his defensive awareness, his defensive ability and his jump shot. But I think, I think Dwayne was more polished as, as a scorer, but Patrick Williams is, is special. So when it comes to lineup com- combinations, so I can see it going one of two ways. In one instance, I could see Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, Patrick Williams, Raekwon Gray, and Dominic Olenicek. The reason why I see it going that way is because Hamilton really likes to play bigs who have an understanding of the college game. I think going forward, if Koprovica shows that he can just be a beast down low consistently, I can certainly see him taking over. But the other variation that I can see is Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, Devin Vassell, Raekwon Gray, and Dominic Olenicic. However, I wouldn't put a whole lot of emphasis on, on who starts because in Hamilton's system, you're playing in spurts. What really matters is who's going to finish. And all people remember is who who finishes the game anyway. So now transitioning into game one against Pitt, we're going to look at who are the players to watch, who comes in with a little bit of a pedigree. 
and really the keys to success here. So Pitt, they're led by preseason All-ACC selection, Xavier Johnson. Now Johnson had a great freshman campaign. He put up 15 and a half points per game. So he's the engine that really makes them go. The other guard that really complements Johnson very well is Trey McGowan's, whose brother, whose younger brother actually recently visited FSU. His younger brother is Bryce McGowan's. Bryce was in for an official visit just a few weeks ago, actually. But uh, Trey McGowan's, he put up 11 and a half points as a freshman. Uh, they, they also bring in a solid freshman by the name of Gerald Drumgool out of Rochester, New York. He's a versatile guard. He can hit shots. Another player to watch is Audiez Tony who has a decent outside shot, and he's just a tough guard. Their front court is a bit less proven. Terrell Brown is really their only big who can somewhat match up inside with, with our bigs. So we should be able to crash the glass against these boys. But a big key is Pitt is going to gain rebound. They're going to send their guards to the glass to rebound. So what makes that interesting is when the ball goes up in the air and there's a missed shot, we should be able to get get out on the break. And that's going to be a real point of emphasis this year is how often can we get out on the break and push the tempo. But taking care of the ball is going to be crucial. In these two exhibition games, I believe we had 42 turnovers in two exhibition games, which is not acceptable. So we can't waste possessions and we need to run every chance we get. Similar to how Roy Williams runs his offense, it's just attack you for 40 minutes. You know, off of every miss, his guards just come at you and come at you. So if FSU can get out and run this season consistently, it's going to be scary. If we can find a way to really manage our hot, our half-court offense consistently and be efficient, the potential of this team is, is sky high. But the expectations for this season... I mean, yes, a lot of it depends on Trent Forrest and his health, but it also depends on you know how everybody is going to gel. I mean, there's six there's six newcomers. You know, it's funny you look at the AP top twenty five, all the all the preseason stuff. None of it matters. And this first game tomorrow night is going to be a really nice litmus test to see where this team is when it comes to the outlook for the season. I could potentially see a a top three finish because Virginia, they have, I mean, they lost their core. UNC, yes, they have Cole Anthony, but they have a lot of new pieces as well. Duke, it's not the same freshman class that you've grown accustomed to with those generational pieces with Barrett and Williamson. So this is the most wide open the ACC has been in quite some time. It's really anybody's game. And if this team can gel and continue to progress, and push the ball down the floor. If we can consistently make shots, we will we will be back in the Sweet 16, at least. Trent Forrest is the best lead guard in the country. You're not gonna you're you're not gonna find a player who defensively is as engaged as he is for, for 40 minutes outside of maybe Trey Jones. So Trent Forrest improving his outside shot is, is going to be huge. Pat Williams coming in and just being a dynamic, versatile, do-it-all wing. Devin Vassell being a pure shooter, attacking the rim, and creating off the dribble. There are a lot of pieces here 
that are being slept on because that's the media for you. So I think you're going to see as as the season progresses, we're going to be in for a fun one. With that, Wednesday, November 6th, 8 o'clock, ESPNU. It's go time.